0: sound check put, put, put. Um, my wife's been listening to some of these podcasts and says that uh, I remind her of Professor Brian Cox yeah not in my accent which she's surprised how Yorkshire I come across she said she swears I don't sound like this in real life but in my delivery which I'd not realised before mm-hmm. but now I've said it to you I can sort of see it but then once you become aware of something like that it's hard not to do it isn't mm-hmm. it you remind me of Professor Cock <laughs> You can
1: just call me Brian. Then. Whatever that uh, whatever that jingle thing is that I play at the start of these episodes—is that um, the budget version? It's a we're... free version. It's free. it's free. At some point, I'll we'll work yeah. out how to get that classic theme tune in. Or yeah, well,
0: I, I am in contact with. Uh,
1: Granger. About well and and above, but uh, well you have to be because he's dead. Well he? indeed, yes. We've <laughs> been to the biggest of, of the aboves. There? The BMI. Yeah. The... BMI? Brain I... Mass Index. British music industry. Oh. Right, yeah. Ah yes. yes. So they're gonna we're gonna try and wangle his way to get thirty seconds of that music out Yeah, we? yeah. I think we need to talk about it at some point. But again we, we, we've got something else to do today, which is Roald Dahl's Tales of the Unexpected in this Tales of the Unexpected episode of the, of the podcast Unexpected. That was sort of the French version of <laughs> do podcast le unexpected. Oh, How would it be le podcast le podcast unexpected. Unexpect. That's more uh, German, uh, the German French because of course Brexit. So we've it's uh, all the same to us now. Yeah, it's we're, we're, we're we we do not care. We anymore. don't care anymore. It's but satire in right. Okay, that's that's appeal to some the masses. I don't think that my. Plumber, stroke, gas engineer will be listening to this. I never mentioned that I did this. Right. I don't think he'll get hold of this. However, he was telling me that uh, he uh, reads a lot of news. He was telling me about a particular story, and it was oh it was a nasty story. I won't even say it. It was a you know one of those society gone bad sort of things. And um, he said, "Here, have a read." Well, he hands me his phone, which is the daily has got the Daily Mail app on it. Right. right. And, pretty typical of the Daily Mail app of this and I was about to launch into a Daily Mail rant. but there he is, fixing my gas and my because we just moved house, I needed it I needed to be on his side so I had to pretend to really enjoy the Daily Mail whilst I just want to be categoric on this Don't, I won't read I won't read newspapers but that's probably if, you were, if I was in a room and there was like you know uh, you're gonna, I'm going to get you if you don't read a newspaper, which newspaper are you going to read out of all these? Well, I'd, I'd shove that one to the side first yeah. because I'd read any other above that one. I'd uh, even read the Times Education Supplement, ooh. which when I was at university studying to be a teacher, that's the one we had to read, and that's nonsense. It's really thick as well. That's nonsense, big. It's a big one. Well, I, I had a sort of sort of related incident with my painter.
0: Because I'm the sort of person who... A lick of paint. A, a, a lick of paint. If you're listening there, Alec, uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a plug for you. Because I'm the sort of person who, like, protects myself by not watching things that might disturb me. Yes.
1: Well, well, I'm handed, I'm handed disturbing information on my driveway and I couldn't get out of it, so uh, I'm with you on this, yeah. But Alec's talking to me one day, as, uh, as is
0: his wont when uh, he's having a break from his painting for a couple of hours. <laughs> And uh, he asked me if I'd seen this programme about uh, ill-treatment of puppies on a puppy farm. Oh. And I said, actually, I was watching that, that, uh, that programme because it was a segment in a magazine programme. Mm. I said, but I turned it off because I find that sort of thing disturbing. And so Alec went to describe it <laughs> in graphic detail, including um, carrying dying puppies away in a wheelbarrow. Now you've
1: done it to me! <laughs> I didn't even know about it, let alone being given the option to... But you've known, there you go. I got another one, right? Yeah. Wait, have I got an option? Yeah, well not. (laughs) Uh, This is an episode called Taste. So we had a bit of bad taste before that jingle there. (laughs) Uh, But now this is not... uh, Taste in a kind of you know a good bad taste sort of thing, but it well, she is, but it's more about the well, but if you think about it, it's census, isn't it? But it is, there is also an element of bad taste when, well, when there, it comes to the end. There is, I mean, bad taste would have been a great uh, episode title, actually. Yes, yeah. but taste, it nonetheless, it, it's about taste, what is your taste, I guess. Um, and uh, well, Roald Dahl introduces this now. This is the first time I think that Roald has two cuts. Um, you know, camera angles on him in his study. Oh, right. Starts off with a close up and then goes to the, the standard shot. But this is also now a, another reminder because it's Roald Dahl's. Whoops, sorry, that was my knee knocking a chair over. Roald Dahl's Tales of the Unexpected is back on the title screen. Yes. Now, uh, that means he wrote it. Yeah. It's one of his versions, I should say. Because he's not done fat chance before. No. So within the in Fat Chance, which was last time's episode, yeah. he uh, he was just merely introduced by Introduced by, by Roald. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually what we what we know is later on it's, in, abandoned by it's just called Tales of the Unexpected at, at some point. So yeah. but anyway, we're back to now if you thought that ah, oh, Roald's stories have dried up, no that he's back here and yeah. actually something else that hasn't dried up is his uh, is his wine collection 5,000 bottles because that's what he says in this little intro he says that in his wine cellar he has f- over 5,000 bottles and he has one or two bottles a night now I, re- I remember being a wine drinker, and actually, I got into wine because I'd go to the supermarket and I'd see what was on offer. Yeah, like like it should have been nine pounds and it's four pounds, so i was like, right, I'll have that. And I actually started to really enjoy a particular taste, but but then I started to also get headaches. So I was like, right, now is it I'll red or white? Well, I used to love red, and, yeah. and white will instant like a glass of white is basically a glass of headache. Right, but then the reds wouldn't give me a headache until the next day. But I started to link the two. Like anyway, so I'd, I would drink a bottle happily, and now I can't do that. But um, I, do, I do appreciate that wine, providing it's the right wine, can you know? It's not like lager. It's not. It's for me this. But I've I've recently got into cider, and I'm having the same experience of going, oh, that's a good cider. This isn't that. That's a good flavour. You know, is it yeah. this company and stuff? I can do that. I'm. I can do that. Well, I'm. I'm you know, I I keep trying the wine and.
0: Uh, a, a guy I used to work with, he was he was leaving, and he was uh, he was a quite a sort of experienced. This was one of the partners, and he brought me a, a bottle of red, and he said, "This is really nice." But I didn't really know anything about this, so I was sat at the computer, not got a glass. I was just drinking it out of the bottle, <laughs> <laughs> and and it turns out in some of this stuff that's really good, there's like this thick crud at the bottom. So I got this horrible, great big mouthful of gappy slime uh, out of it. But, it, but I didn't tell him it was nice.
1: Well, um, about the, the kind of like, you know, whether it's good for you or not, um, Roald argues that, uh, you know, I have a bottle or two a night and it's never done me any harm. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a poke at the PC uh, brigade there, isn't there? Yeah. And what he's also saying is that it's a great time, if you're a wine lover, it's a great time to be in England because we've got a massive selection. And what, what that means is not that we grow the, cra- the grape to, to do it, but we make sure that we get in the right stock. Yeah, and I think that, that might be about, if you are abroad, they only really do their own thing. I think that's what he said. Well, so, he's sort of saying continuing. that
0: they have auctions every week or something, doesn't he? Yeah,
1: so they bring it in from around the world almost, and so we've got a really good selection to choose.
0: And I noticed that what he does
1: there, perhaps in a bit to sort of tie it to this... <gasps> he haunts yes he says the word haunt now he's done that before but but it is his choice of words again where he says I haunt haunt the auctions or haunt I've haunted auctions yeah it's lovely isn't it because he has got that demeanour anyway and that's it then we cut to now the the show which is a guy that we later find out is called Richard Pratt yeah and we're seeing the TV version of what's happening so he's on TV but we're seeing it through the TV yeah and he's um, blindfolded. He's sniffing some wine. Uh, no, he's describing what he does to taste to, to identify a wine, which is it's all to do with the smell. Now he's pulling a face throughout the episode, actually, that doesn't look like it's his normal face. Like, like he's—I don't know if you can describe it. Maybe we'd have to film this bit, but it's like one of those—you know—it's kind of is trying to make the bottom of his the corners of his lips go down but not be unhappy and is what what face am I doing? Robert De Niro (laughs) sort of thing. It's more
0: like drinking a
1: bottle of pickles face. Yes, is a sour face. Right. But that's what he does. But anyway, I thought that was part of his thing, you know, but it's yeah. not. That's the face he does all the way through the episode.
0: Oh, right. That's his, like, default face for episode. That's his default face, yeah. Now, that's played by Ron Moody. Ron Moody, who, as we were saying earlier on,
1: is uh, fa- most famous for uh, playing Fagin. Well, we didn't say that on the podcast earlier on, so if, if we were saying that between ourselves, weren't we, so? We were, yeah. If, if you now need to rewind that, I mean, do listen to the first bit again, but... Just, just accept that we've been speaking about stuff uh, outside of. We we do, we do, don't we? Yeah, it's it's one of the things we've done. done. It's a weakness. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So then we see two women watching the same TV program that we're watching.
0: Yeah, and uh, one of them. Is quite young, uh, looks to me to be about 17 or something
1: like that. Here's a problem I have with with this throughout is that we never know her age, yeah, right? Okay, but there is, she's called Louise, Louise, yeah. Now, she, she has the voice of Janet Ellis, okay. The say who one I love, right? When I was a kid watching Blue Peter and Janet Ellis was one of the presenters, like she was like my crush, right? But then when I found out that she had a daughter called Sophie Ellis who then went on to—I I liked Sophie Ellis Bexter when she was in the audience. Um, always fancied her. She's gone as a. Interesting faces like so, that's like a cat, yeah. Got like
0: yeah. A cat face. yeah, I, I was gonna say feline, cause yes, young, but, yeah. you know.
1: but even now, it's like she was on strictly, she's like tall. I don't think we'd ever have anything, I, I reckon it'd be problems, yeah. Me and yeah, uh, I, don't, I can't see you two together, no. But I would, uh, you know, I wouldn't say no to trying it at least trying it out.
0: See, I don't know whether I've got a false memory about this, but I see, I have got a memory that I've told people, as, as though it's real, because I do believe it is real, mm. that uh, Janet Ellis on Blue Peter had a scan, an ultrasound, and we saw young Sophie Ellis-Bexter in ventre Mer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Where's that? Is that in... the south of France?
0: <laughs> Where is it? In
1: Mummy's tummy. It's. Uh... Uh... So it's illegal, a medical, legal term. All no, right. Okay. So, would that make her maybe, possibly one of the youngest people to appear t- on, on Blue TV, Peter? On Blue Peter, at least. But, but, yeah. Well, that would have been a coup at the time because Blue Peter, although it was for squares, I mean, I was definitely more in the "Why don't you" camp. Yeah,
0: um, well, okay.
1: of course, yeah. without question. In fact, talking about things that you said, I'd, um, I'd, I made out to my friends. At least it was a lie, but. Uh, that I was setting up a a why don't you gang setting uh, up your own yeah like getting mates together right and I would encourage like the, the you know the uh, BBC to no it wasn't BBC would it have been ITV I don't
0: I don't I can't remember Actually. the
1: adverts told us that it was BBC it was no adverts in it but wouldn't it have been a part of say like Wackaday or something like that no I no, think it was his own, I think thing. Was his own thing so yeah. maybe it was why don't you was anyway we'll make, have a look just quickly have a check while I tell the story so I'd I'd, I'd said um, to like Barry and Dave and Andy that you know look I'm getting a gang together to go on like the the why don't you gang and we'll be our own gang and stuff and I, and then I said because they didn't seem to be interested to do this <laughs> then I said I've been in talks with the company that's making it and they said they're gonna come <laughs> and do. There's, there's absolutely no reason it's just a, I wanted to build momentum but um, Anyway, nothing happened actually. That probably lasted an afternoon of lie telling. Yeah, BBC. Yeah, there you go, BBC. So anyway, well,
0: just just on this, yeah, right? Yeah. At the moment, they're recruiting for
1: Crystal Maze with Richard Iodiodi is going to be doing it. So uh, uh, yes, um, uh, because the uh, merchant version was actually a big success, wasn't it? Yeah, but I so I've, I've always liked Crystal Maze. Yeah, me I too. Went on. And they are actually
0: looking for teams
1: rather Um, than you going on as individuals you see I thought that it was like uh, one of those corporate events where you put yourself your team down but when I've watched them back since it looks like they've just been selected and bunched together that's how I've seen it but I've looked on the application forms so it's still a corporate team building
0: well oh you may so it says who, who you know Who and which position would you be would you be captain would you be about so and there's like six people so it is it is the sort of thing you could get a group together
1: uh, to do what amazed me about the crystal maze was that uh, when you get locked in the room the people didn't seem to carry on playing the game like why just sit there especially the one with the uh, bow and arrow what was it the crossbow thing I can't imagine shooting like oh, you're yeah, yeah. locked in ah oh, bugger right well I'll, I'll just keep shooting then I wouldn't just leave even locked in anyway so back to the jala- uh, <laughs> uh, Janet Ellis yeah Uh fancied her fancy Sophie and this woman has the voice of Janet Ellis as far as I'm concerned and also she's like for a young'un like I'd have definitely been in that like, I'd have been more interested in her okay? yeah no, the problem is with this it, the, this the, there's a problem here in this episode that we're verging on Realms of paedophilia, aren't we? Well, depending on how old she is, this, this is the thing. Yeah, but in my head, she's a youngun. I would say she's probably younger than sixteen, Young, really. I would think she's drinking a glass of water for a start. Right. So anyway, whatever it is, there's there's a bit of a there's a bit of a dilemma there and a taste dilemma. A Ooh. bad taste. See. Yeah. So uh, he's and they're, look, they're looking they're looking at him on the telly. He's he's in the studio looking at him on the telly.
0: And uh, she, the daughter, describes him as pompous idiot. Which he absolutely is. He is, isn't he? It couldn't be described any better. Now i felt a bit vindicated at this point, because i had been watching the first bit, and uh, I'm thinking, is he a pompous idiot or is this just how wine people are? You know what I mean? Is it my ignorance that makes me think that? But when she said it, I thought, no,
1: no, he is he's
0: coming across. A couple it. of
1: things, I think I think if you're looking at a cartoon version of a wine expert, then yeah. um, yes. Yeah. But actually probably they're not all Idiots. Yeah. This this one is he gets first of all he gets four out of four on the challenge that the TV guy is setting him. Okay, then when the TV show finishes, uh, he, he's going to be joining them for dinner. So we see them setting the table for this live broadcast. I guess. Yeah. Now, uh, she Louise. When we're going, when we're listening to the two women talking, she and that's the other woman is her mum. By the way, yeah, uh, who is called Sybil and. She explains that she doesn't like the way he, he stares at her.
0: Yeah, I mean, what she says here, I think, is that he looks at her as though she's one of his favourite clarets. Yes, that's right, yeah. And then there's a good line back from Mum,
1: who says he's very good at clarets. Yes, that's right, it's a weird line. <laughs> but later on in the episode, they all agree that they enjoy a claret, a good yeah. claret and stuff. And yeah. it's like, so it's like, there's always these innuendos yeah. and, and... And slightly dismissive you see, I think, yeah. as well, isn't it?
0: It's an early indication there, because she says I don't like the way it looks like claret, and she's good, good at claret.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now she, now Louise seems to have a, a skill, because the cook comes in and says, would you taste me horseradish, Oh yeah. misses?" <laughs> and she does, and she does that kind of like the tasting face.
0: Yeah, but then what's the cook's face like?
1: I don't know, it's like how dare you taste this she
0: looks really pissed off. Yeah, so she?
1: why would she offer her the taste I, of it? I can't
0: understand that.
1: Anyway, so just, I'm thinking, does this indicate some history between you know, them? Well, I, well, I wrote, is a weird tasting ceremony with the cook's horse radish. <laughs> um, that, that would be a great album title. Um, so um, there's lots actually happening here. There's like I, I wasn't write, able to write quick enough, but there's. You, you go to the TV studio, you go to the two women talking, You go to the, she goes to see the dad, who's preparing the wine for later in the evening. There's a lot of talk about who's going to be joining them later, which is two Americans. Americans yeah. One is a writer and his wife. Um, and, uh, go on. Well, I'll tell you what I noticed as well. After the horse-reddish tasting session, there's a bit
0: sort of where Cook wanders off and she's been told to put the meat on as soon as... Uh, Ron Moody arrives as soon as Richard Pratt arrives, and uh, because he likes it rare, and Cook says he'll get it rare, all right. And I thought, uh-huh. again, what's this about? She's a really sort of mardy cook, it seems, or has she got a grudge against everybody? I'll tell you who she ran me off. Yeah,
1: the uh, Mrs. White out of Cluedo. Yeah, she had, but the picture. Yeah, not not like Clue the movie, which is. I, agree. I was on the I was looking at movie the best year for movies right. of the day 1985 brilliant right Clue is from 1985 okay then Goonies Indiana Jones uh, Breakfast Club it basically it's just an endless stream of
0: I mean what is this thing film. though
1: about like the 80s because when we look back now it seems as though everything was great in the 80s I'll tell you why uh, It was more difficult to get a film into the cinema. What you've got is everybody would have seen that film that you're talking about. So it was not just a popular film, but actually it would have had the right people involved in it, the people of the time, so the right actors, the best writers, good screenplay, good uh, soundtrack, those sorts of things. That's what made it. But now, because because they're ten a penny... You, you your blockbusters are the ones that the people are spending the time on, yeah, and all the ones that are actually good stories are being made by bad studios so that's the reason why that's the reason why, Fair why yeah. the show finishes the uh, Ron Moody show finishes yeah and he, he now
0: well and to mark it finishing mum says oh dear, it's over yeah which, because
1: she what she's saying is that show's finishing, the that means he's on, he's on, his, on his way. way. Yeah. So, they, so nobody seems to like this guy. No. I suppose we
0: ought to mention, though, that when they're wrapping up in the studio, he's talking to the guy about... The interviewer. About the interviewer yeah. about the wines and stuff like that. And as he's about to leave, one of the helpers says, Oh, don't forget these. And hands him his glasses. His glasses. And he says, Oh, I, I can't read anything without them. Yeah. I'm always leaving yeah. them everywhere. I think it is worth pointing out. And, isn't it? Uh, so he then takes takes them with him. Yeah. So it sounds like he leaves his glasses in places yeah. where he's not. Which, which I do. Yeah, of course you do. Everybody uh, does. I often have to wear that pair of glasses that I've sellotaped a pencil to because <laughs> I've broken one of the legs up. <laughs> because <laughs> that's the only one I know where I keep it. I keep it in my car for emergencies. <laughs> have you
1: really got a pencil? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the link <leg came> up. <laughs> Do you know they're not called... you know the the, uh, the ice column arms? Right. They're not. What are they? They're called sides. Oh, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: but I always used to call them arms, I think. Yeah, well, I tried it with a bamboo skewer for a bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so now I have a pink pencil on it. Uh, right, so he's on his way then. So, yeah, we now cut to the the dinner reception dinner party reception yeah. so we see the American guests and yeah. the, the, who there's a weird exchange between them two
0: yeah yeah there is what was the line
1: I can't remember I didn't write it down quick enough I just put odd exchange but yeah he said I, something about it. not being surprised by what she said
0: yeah I, oh, I'll tell you what it is they're talking about the wine aren't they yeah and they're talking about uh, claret being a cabernet and she says, Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. And then he looks through and says, oh, you never
1: failed to surprise me. But, but you yeah. never failed to surprise me. Yeah, and it's a
0: really sort know.
1: of creepy thing, isn't it? Because she comes back with a kind of mock air kiss. Yeah. Which is, but it's more of a sex
0: kiss. It is, yeah. It made me feel uncomfortable. Oh, it, was, uh,
1: it was horrible to watch.
0: And I'm sort of thinking, so I'm now thinking about these two. Oh, what? Is this? Yeah. What are these going to bring to it? Are they going to bring a bit of creepy and control well, to it?
1: Actually, as a bit of a spoiler,ing because I do mention him in a bit, okay. But as a bit of a spoiler, they don't really bring anything to this. This, I think, they were there for numbers to make this a a bit of a, be- a, a you know, more exciting dinner party.
0: Well, I, th- I think you're right, and also I think. It's about showing off what a sort of wanker Richard Pratt is, because although we start off not really being comfortable with
1: the Americans,
0: we're, they're on our side by the end. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, really yeah.
1: Them. I yeah. mean, they chill out. Yeah. They're, I think they real. Actually, that could be the thing is that, oh, Americans quite brash and, you know, not socially aware, and then all of a sudden this British guy turns up and is like, ah... <laughs> we he's much better at doing that than us. Yeah. Maybe that's it. You know, a little bit of poking there. But what uh, Richard Pratt arrives talks about his experience on the TV show. He says that, you know, he's always on the TV shows and they know nothing. He got four out of four of course he did. They don't know anything. And again, that is it's the irony of of telling people how ridiculous TV people are on a show that's being made about TV shows it's, it's um, a, a nice bit of irony but I'm sure there's something in that a message there so and he's brought a book he's brought a book yeah, so yeah before he gets to the reception area Louise has answered the door um, and, and he does look at her as though he's assessing her. he's he? going to fuck her <laughs> but it's not for him to do that no. or, or to decide it's for Louise to decide and a, and a Janet Ellis voice um, and he's brought present, present
0: which is, is his own book
1: yeah
0: and uh, he's put a creepy invitation in that I didn't get yeah. down did you? no
1: it was something about from your admirer yeah I don't know what the first bit was but it's that sort of thing isn't it where you get but uh, you know it, it would have been it's one of it's because of the fact that it's a nice sentiment to give somebody a present, but giving somebody a present of your own book... Yeah. ...it's just, it's just off.
0: But typical for Richard Pratt.
1: Yes, this is the sort of person we're dealing with now, and so we're not meant to like him, are we? Um, though we go to the um, dinner reception bit, and then before they go to dinner, he is handed a soda siphon... Yeah, now, that's a sort of soda siphon that you'd have seen on Vat's Life with their Als- Alsatians at that time. Yeah, we used to squirt them and they used to try and catch the water. Oh, com- comedy
0: men in black and white days used to like shove them down the trousers. Yeah, and stuff that's like right. That, yeah. So it?
1: it's kind of like a pressured button that that obviously squirts water out, it's like a,
0: like a big glass, like a big glass jar in yeah. there with like a like a, yeah screw screw sort of top, yeah. and and you'd put a soda. Uh, carbon dioxide so, yeah, which like would it.
1: then make you like a soda stream it's a bit it's like that a but it's handheld yeah. Yeah. so the purpose of this is that he cleans his palate so that he gets rid of all the nasty tastes Yeah. and it, and th- this could be part of his act because you know he's like you know he's really looking down on people for not knowing what they're eating or tasting yeah well so.
0: I'll tell you he, do, he does do this he, he, he goes and he says that he's got to go off to some place on his own to cleanse his palate right, with yeah. the soda
1: water. Yeah, and then being on his own is part of it. So yeah, he needs to get into his own almost.
0: But I'm thinking, if he's going to do that, if he's going to cleanse his palate, wouldn't he do that after the meal and before the taste? But really... He, then, he, he let, cleanses his palate, then he comes down, sits down, eats a meal, the,
1: drinks various yeah, wines. But they haven't eaten the main meal. They've only eaten starters. Right. Okay, and we're going to come back to that in a moment. They've only eaten starters. But yeah, the next time we join them then is all around the dinner table. Different conversations are going off. We overhear uh, Richard Pratt discussing an American thing. And it... And the Americans catch wind of what he's saying we, I don't know what it was but it wasn't particularly nice well he's, he's, he has a couple of digs at
0: uh, the American visitors because uh, earlier on when he meets the American uh, the, the American fella who uh, let me see Richard I'm...
1: I'm going with Richard right it's uh, William. Yeah, or William.
0: Yeah. Is that, or is that the guy you're playing? No, it's Peter. Yeah, or, yeah, that's <laughs> what I was thinking, Peter. Anyway, when he meets him, he says, what do you do? And he says, oh, I'll write books. And he says, under your own name. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, I was sort of thinking, I've never heard of you. That's what he's sort of saying yeah. there, so he's having a dig. And then here, he, he talks about the wine, and it says, the wine's like the Daughters of the Revolution, not so well off. So he's sort of yeah. suggesting that they've not got the money because yeah. this is a sort of very moneyed sort of... Uh, it is, isn't it, yeah. 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 We, we learned that Dad's a stockbroker. Yeah. Um, Richard Pratt is a twat uh, who, who just drinks wine, it seems. really. Yeah. But he's got two houses. That's right, yeah. Owned, uh, you know.
1: yeah. So uh, they're, they're coming to the part where they're discussing the, the wine that's going to challenge him. Now, yeah. this is alluded early on but we've saved it for this bit here what happens is whenever Richard Pratt comes to dinner the dad of the family and Richard Pratt have a bet the dad says I will present you with a wine you see if you can identify what it is and if you win will you win five cases of my wine and if I win you now, he's, or, he's, or a case or a case yeah. five cases did I just invent that a case of I think, of wine. I think yeah. it's a case I think yeah. the, 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 the winner buys yeah. the loser The loser buys the the winner. Yeah, the loser buys the winner. And it seems like Richard Pratt has never lost this. Absolutely.
0: And and we learn that there's an elaborate sort of way of storing this wine. Because obviously it has to be
1: protected and everything like that. So he's he's called it... At the beginning of the show you saw him in his study and he was airing it. Yeah. So that's part of the thing. And and he, he says, I'm going to get the wine from my study. And the Americans are like, why is it in your study? Which there's no point in, in going to that street. It's so, oh, yeah, you keep it in your study. Yeah. There's but what no we point. find out there is that he and Richard Pratt have toured the house. Yes. Which, which the only reason for, for that to be mentioned at that stage was because to, to let you know where it was. Yeah. Now, we did sort of know, but it, it gives everybody the, yes, that's a definite, it was in the study.
0: And more than that, when they've toured the house, they've identified the top of the green filing cabinet yes. is, is the
1: place it's to the, keep it. Yeah, not just the study, yeah. but yeah, the, the, the particular part of the study. Yeah. yeah. So this challenge then today's challenge because Richard Pratt is confident. You know, he thinks I'm going to get you again. Yeah. So let's up the stakes, right? And he says, "So I'm thinking fifty cases, and uh, that." Again, then it was like, ha, 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 ha. And then he says, why? Why? What's wrong with that? What about
0: £10,000? Well, and I think at this stage, he's
1: he's a bit moving into Brian Blessed's stage. There is that, and also echoes of the man from the South here, where the bet now becomes... Oh, is the bet Uh, the weird thing about this episode? Because so far there's been no hint as to what the unexpected thing could be he either wins or loses the bet right? yeah Okay. Yeah. So, um, but it's just his delivery it's
0: sort of like he starts to talk really quite loud and to, sort of more towards camera say
1: I felt like increasing the bet <laughs> I like this more and more <laughs> 50 cases <laughs> yeah in the meantime the American guy I don't know if you noticed this is constantly going into like the turins the, the food like the vegetable pots and stuff trying to get food out and his wife's going no not yet there's a bet going on and stuff really? he no. does it about four times it's really good <laughs> he's already done it this is the second time he's done it he goes you just see him because he's a big guy he goes to reach over and get some food and his wife goes not yet, not yet. it's probably not right time and then alright okay leaves it so you hear like just the, kind of, the pottery jangle every now and then it's great <laughs> then He says, no, 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 no. What I'm thinking is that this bet should be the hand of your daughter's marriage. The marriage of your daughter's hand. Be The hand of your daughter in marriage. In marriage, right, okay. And I, well, I wrote, that's just ridiculous. one, it's a ridiculous suggestion. But also the fact that the, I mean, the dad sort of dismisses it, but not to the point of going no, no, seriously, come on, what are you? but couldn't, but he's going no, no, I'm deadly serious. Yeah. I'm deadly serious. If I win this bear, I want to marry your daughter. Well, I wrote down. Here, is this medieval times? Well, I wrote fairy tale. That's what I wrote. It's like that, that Rumpelstiltskin thing. That, that sort of it? thing, yeah.
0: isn't it? But then I thought actually perhaps I ought to sort of try and jazz that up a bit. You know, look a bit more learned. So I thought, is it Shakespearean sort of thing?
1: You know, I like, think uh, like, Rumpel Silskin came after. Uh, no way, there. Rumpel Silskin wasn't real, was he? No. No. Uh, yeah, Shakespeare was real, but some of his stories weren't real.
0: But, you know, I'm thinking like that A Pound of Flesh with Merchant of Venice and stuff like that. Ridiculous bet, you
1: know? Yeah. So, so anyway, he goes, well, the dad said, well, no, I mean, we're not going to do that bet because, one, uh, it's ridiculous. But mainly, you haven't got, like, something to, yeah, uh, there's no stake, and even if you had a daughter, I wouldn't marry her, <laughs> <laughs> and he looks over at his wife, and then he says, no, 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 what about my house, and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, fair. which one, which one, so he goes, the one in the country, and then he, then he goes, actually, both of them, yeah. you can have both houses, which is, so he says both, meaning that I've only got two, yeah. so you can have them both. If he loses, he's homeless. Yeah. It's a rubbish bet. Yeah. So he's... But he's the sort of guy who believes in himself to the degree that you could believe he'd do that. So the only way he's going to win this is to be fucking good at his job. Isn't he? So we begin the challenge. Before that, there's a discussion, because daughter's not very keen. Oh, no, she, no, of course she's not
0: keen, no. And so Dad talks to daughter whilst... Um, Ron Moody sits there with his eyes shut, but he does yeah, yeah,
1: for all that time, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, and Dad suggests really that daughter's
1: going to get the houses if, if they win. yeah, uh, and, she, and she agrees. Well, yes, yeah, so he's convinced her to go ahead with the bets. yeah, um, and he says, no, it's a surefire thing this. I know what I'm talking about, okay, let's do it. Yeah. It's a bet. everyone gets a glass of the wine,
0: which surprised me. I would have thought, just poured just out. In. Just for the taster. Yeah. But, you know... Uh, but, but I wondered if that's... You know, we've noticed that there's a walking situation in, in these yeah. things that, that sort of pads it out a little bit. Yeah. That it's quite a lengthy wine pouring yeah. And also
1: close-up of the glasses being poured and yeah. stuff like that, yeah.
0: And and the music, we're not having um, synths here. No. It's some sort of stringed instrument. Yeah, cello. I put cello down, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's the sort of... Yeah. Sort of... What do you call it? It's serious tone. Well, it's...
1: it's Amplifying the seriousness of the situation. Yeah. uh, Keeping it serious. But also, strings are a very good sinister...
0: Yeah, um, I I was thinking sort of sinister, yeah. yeah. Because I suppose it has taken a bit of a sinister turn. Well, it does,
1: because there's a human involved. A human uh, pound of flesh. Yeah. Right. Okay, so... um, Now then. He goes through his rigmarole. Yeah. Okay, which is generally... Sticks his nose all the way in And he's got one of them Good nose, noses for it um, Now to film this I'm assuming that they've done An extensive amount extensive amount of research uh, On how a wine taster Would get, expertly go about their job yeah. okay, So let's assume that all this is real But he He sticks his nose in As a gulp Kind of breathes over it, and that.
0: Yeah. Like yeah. if
1: you've got a, a roast potato in your mouth and it's too hot, you go that, <laughs> but you don't spit it out because you believe that it. it's not cooling it down. And he starts describing it. Now he uses, I mean, I'll go into the description in a second, but it's 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 all subjective. It's what you make of those things that give it. So he, he says feminine. I mean, how you can describe a couple, it? A couple of times he says that, not he? How can you? It's a glass of wine, it's not a lass. Anyway, so he de- he details everything. I mean, I... I I'll was tell you thinking- what, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in here to, yeah. to 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 sort of
0: guess at a thing that you might have liked, actually, because I know that you've picked up alliteration before. Yeah. And he comes up with, taunting me with a taste of tannin. And as soon as he said that, I thought, that's one... I didn't.
1: No, I didn't uh, notice that. No, because at the time I was thinking, my point was going to be is how... If you say that, you can't expect people to go, oh, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So if you said... Uh, you know, it's, it reminds me of Petrol on a sunny day. Um, sort of like, yeah, I can get... Uh, fair enough. A small boy eating a Brazil nut. And uh, then a goose playing a bassoon. Which, they are sort of examples of yours, I'm thinking. I'm exampling in. I'm, I'm, give, I'm giving examples I, I always of, think of
0: Hollyhocks rushing up my nose, which, yeah, which used get, to be attributed to Ginny Gould. I, I
1: don't... Yes, exactly, yeah, yeah. But I don't know... I don't know how you could go. Oh, I instantly know what you're talking about because if you you know you walk through like Asda or yeah. you know, card shops and you see those candles and you go this on this particular candle it smells like I don't know cinnamon right and you go yeah that smells like that but how you can say it smells like uh, what am I, a a goose playing a bassoon it's not you're not going to get it's all subjective and that's yeah. so now then. Right, I'm imagining this right there's going to be a number of smells here off a goose
0: playing a bassoon isn't there there's it, the goose itself there's the goose itself bit of wood, wood wind possibly the, the breath of the goose coming through the bassoon yeah okay possibly is a goose
1: is a goose going to be able to wrap its
0: lips around that
1: Has
0: well a perhaps goose it'd, have, it'd have an adapter wouldn't it
1: yeah a goose adapter yeah. a goose bee, a beak adapter and
0: yeah. they're always shitting on the feet and that so, so that the have as that. well
1: so, yeah. so it's going to get in the way of the actual smell isn't it
0: yeah so I'm, I'm thinking it wouldn't that's yeah. going to be a one ninety nine wine a goose playing a bassoon
1: isn't it? so a small boy eating a Brazil nut probably slightly better yeah. on, the Christmas? on Christmas yeah well why not? Well, there we go okay that's what it takes so then the American woman yeah. she starts up a cigarette but she, she didn't get to light it until no. he, he bollocks her get idiot. out yeah. get out you fucking idiot Um, well she doesn't but then again he's he's going through a lot of description now what he's doing is narrowing down the the region the district the farmyard the type of grave and he's going in the name of the goose the name of the goose and the type of bassoon and then (laughs) the cook walks in and then the violins and cellos yeah. go up a bit and you think oh god it was it was Mrs White with a knife in the kitchen yeah. after all okay but then he carries on and he he does a disgusting lick on the mm, uh, on and the glass and Cook says nothing Cook you? says nothing I, I
0: don't really understand the point of Cook's entry
1: there. so the point of Cook's entry is to announce her arrival <laughs> okay she then oh we're there we there he then he struggles to get to the place because he goes. I think it's this. No, no, he goes. No, I'm wrong. Chateau Talbot or something he like that. He says it wasn't. Yeah, whatever it was. He goes. No, 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 because that would be too easy.
0: Yeah.
1: That's what he meant. That's what he meant me to think. Yeah. It's not that. I'll tell you what it is. It is Chateau Renew de Cru or something like that. Sixty nineteen sixty six. Yeah. To which
0: response from Dad, stockbroker, is? Is that your final answer? Your final answer. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, you know tribute to Chris Tarrant many years before yeah so your final answer and he goes yeah it is my final answer the daughter says and he goes no the dad then says well wait a minute wait a minute right okay and the daughter says well no no let's not wait a minute I want to know I want to know if I've got my houses right okay when he goes no I think you and I need to have a chat on our own to the Richard Pratt guy you I'm genuinely thinking he's He's got it right, and the unexpected bit is quite simply, we didn't think he was going to win the bet, and right. now he has. Right, right. That's not the unexpected bit. No, no. Because the daughter storms off, and then the cook says, um, "Here are your glasses, Mr. Pratt." You you left uh, them you left them in the study on the green filing cabinet when you went. To, I saw you go in there on your own and earlier went. on carrying a soda sign. Walks out all nonchalant. Okay. And you've got your man, the dad of the family, who pay, who picks up the bottle, as though he's going to strike him down, didn't he? Yeah. Which is not unknown in these episodes. No, it is could it? have happened. Yeah, but he, what he does is he tips the bottle over the man's head, and then we've got the clang, clang, clangs of the episode yes. finish and the screen going up. Well, it's not like a rock and roll episode, but that's not the point of the episode. Actually, yeah. it, it was. What was unexpected in terms of this is just... The guy's just cheated on a massive scale and almost got away with it. Yeah. And had it not been for that cook who was the hero in the end... And presumably has been cheating for years. Yeah, well, that was the other insinuation, isn't it? That yeah. he, he's never actually known what he was, and he's probably developed a reputation where he has to now just do that every time because he's not that good, he's not...
0: And what I quite liked is that I did notice the little thing about
1: the glasses in the TV studio the first time I watched this through. Well, I don't, because here's what I remember from that scene, was that he was about to walk off set with a bottle of wine in his hand. Yeah. OK, the assistant comes in and says, you've left your glasses, and he picks them up and says, quite rightly... I won't be able to read a thing without these, okay? And then, instead of what he was about to do, which was walk off, he hands the bottle to the host. Yeah. So it was almost as if he was about to walk away with a freebie. But... When, he, when he's called back he, he can't go along with that anymore so he has to all right. so I'm, that's what I was concentrating on other than the fact that there's a now there's a clue we'll call those anchor points because yeah, okay. there's all in, in Tales Unexpected there's anchor points all over you you've just got to work out which one you're looking for yeah. at the end you'll remember which one you're looking for but you always have to pay attention writing up this one was a bit more difficult because there was a lot going on, and I was trying to get the point, the key points.
0: Yeah, yeah, and because there was a lot of taunting by the Tannins, it, it was it was sort of a lot of that went on, didn't
1: there? And I'm thinking, Ooh, yeah. I'm thinking, what can I say? There was a lot of tickling of the testes in this episode. <laughs> well, that was a great episode. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, it. we've always enjoyed that. Now, what's
0: next episode? Next episode is my lady, my duck. No, sorry, next. episode <laughs> Is My Lady Love, My Dove. Now, this has got Elaine Stritch in it, who we've seen before in William and Mary. Yeah, she was the wife... Mary, presumably. Mary. She was the uh, American lady. That's right, that's right, who um, Roald credits as being a very, very good comedy actress. A comedy actress, yeah. And uh, this one's about uh, some friends who come to stay for the weekend and uh, have got a hidden microphone in their room.
1: Right. I don't know if I remember this one. I mean, I... I will do. But. Yeah. Anyway, awesome. Right, guys. Brilliant. Great episode. That was taste. Rawalzal. Da da da. And then what we'll do is we'll see you next time. Ta-ra! Bye. Mikey?